Hello, and welcome to Openly Gamer Theater's production of The Stygian Fragment. A Call of Cthulhu roleplay drama. This is Mike, and I'm playing Father Evan Daniel Leary. Hello, this is Dan, and I am playing Phineas Lockwood. This is Brandon. I'll be playing Clarence Rouse. This is Shannon. I'm playing Julia Margaret Barnes. This is Jason. I'm playing Jack Houston Smith. And I'm Sean. I'm playing Robert Lewis Covington. Be warned, the following content may not be suitable for all audiences. Twenty third, nineteen twenty seven. Just after midnight, we stopped in front of Rouse's office. Lockwood insisted that we needed to retrieve the idol before heading to Cahokia. He claimed that the manuscript he read in the secret sanctum was very clear. The ritual that he was attempting required the idol to be present. He didn't give any details, and we didn't ask. His hand rested on the bulge under his coat. It was the book. From the moment he was given the thing, His hand was always near it. Clarence dashed back to the breezer, returning with the idol clutched under his arm. As he climbed in the rear with Covington and myself, he put the rewrapped statue in an inner pocket, looked at me, and smiled. It occurred to me that it had been hours since I had seen a drink in his hand, but he didn't look heebie-jeebie at all. On the contrary, he looked clear and confident. Smith turned east towards the Eads Bridge. The storm broke just as we crossed the Mississippi River and sped into Illinois. Jack turned the Packard on to the Cahokia Road, only to find that it was washed out from all the rain. We had to angle it the rest of the way. We lingered only long enough to get some supplies out of the back, and Smith could gather up some survey maps he had stashed, left from a dig at the mounds he'd done a few months back. I wasn't particularly keen on walking the rest of the way across the prairie, but there just was no other way. On the bright side, Leary pointed out, the grass was so tall, there's no way anyone could see us coming. We reached a place Jack called Mound 41 just before dawn, a mile or so from the big mound. What kept us from moving on to Monk's Mound was the fact that we noticed Gedeke Brothers' trucks in the clearing nearby. They were parked side by side, one still running. Just past the trucks was a squat wooden building, looked like a shack or a shed of some sort, beside the trail leading up to the top of the mound. We were about to move closer until Lockwood hissed at us, pointing out two men milling about. Guards. No doubt armed. So I decided to see if I could go in for a closer look. It was worth a shot. If I got caught, I'd whip up an egg. No problem. I skirted the clearing until I could come at the trucks from the guards' blindside. 
Then I dashed across the opening. Hiding myself and peering around the rear of the truck, I noticed the guards were both looking the other direction, towards the rising sun. It was then I saw what had attracted their attention, Lockwood and Smith walking towards them from the tall grass. Both guards leveled weapons at them. The closest had a pistol. The other, a sawed-off shotgun. Make a spot hidden. Need a 75 or less. 29! In the growing light, I noticed that the door to the wooden shed was slightly ajar and something was poking out of it. That and the unusual odor I detected coming from it piqued my interest. I crept closer and gently pulled the door, revealing the corpse of a man. From the smell and the flies, likely dead a couple of days. Staggering back, I placed my hand over my mouth. The last thing I needed was to upchuck, giving away my hiding spot. As a way to distract myself, recover my faculties, I peeked over the tailgate of the truck. I couldn't help but squeak a little when I saw that the bed held boxes marked TNT. For quite a while, I crouched behind the truck, listening to Smith and Lockwood banner with the guards, trying to fast-talk their way past them. Curiosity got the better of me, and I crept back to the door of the shed. The early sunlight allowed me to get more details of the gruesome find. He wore a uniform, that of a sheriff's deputy. The fact that his pistol was still in his holster, and his face was virtually destroyed by an exit wound, told me that he was killed from behind, by surprise. I made my way back to my hiding spot, just as one of the guards yelled out in pain. Then all hell broke loose. I drew a pistol from my bag and poked my head around the tailgate again. The guards were shooting at Lockwood and Smith, who were returning fire. I saw Rouse crouched at the end of the clearing, as if he were about to break cover and enter the fight. Jack squeezed off around as Clarence sprinted out of the grass and towards one of the guards. I I mutter under my breath, Rouse, you idiot. Head down from Jack's cover fire, the guy didn't see Clarence coming until it was too late. Rouse grappled with him as Father Leary barreled in out of nowhere with a vicious fright to the guard's face. Dazed, the man didn't react when Clarence put his pistol under the man's chin. Covington was rolling around on the ground with the other guard. A glint from the doctor's hand told me that he held a knife and was repeatedly plunging it into the man as they struggled. The truck that I was hiding behind rocked. Someone was in the cab and getting out. I ducked behind the tailgate again as the driver's door opened and a husky man stepped out with a baseball bat in his hands. Lockwood turned and pointed his shotgun at him. The driver's side doors of two other trucks opened and the occupants hit the ground running, fleeing towards the grass. We can't let him get away. Of course we can't, Mr. Long Rifle. You can't hit a guy 20 feet from you. How are you going to hit a guy running away? No, I'll unsling my 30 out 6 and I'll put the crosshairs on the guy who's trying to get away and shoot him in the back. So go ahead and make your rifles check. Nope. I reload the shotgun. I'll search bodies for anything pertinent. Uh, I'll search the guy that blew his head off. They had their weapons. They were they were just goons. So they didn't really have a whole lot on them. Uh, you know, just pictures of their kids and stuff. Out of curiosity, Jack, why do you travel with all these weapons when you don't know how to use any of them? I, I know how to use them just fine, actually. I, I'm, a, I'm a great shot uh, when I'm not shooting at people that are shooting back at me. Clarence stood up, hand-holding his leg. Hey, Doc, I got shot. Oh, here, let me look at that for you. It's first aid, right? Go ahead and make your first aid roll. 79%. Roll a D3. That's how many hit points you heal. Don't you dare use any of that alcohol to sterilize this wound. One point of damage he heals. <laughs> Concern overcame me, and I stepped out from my hiding spot. 
Hey guys, there's dynamite over here. Go the opposite direction. Hey Julia, where were you? Uh, staying alive. We Not all stayed getting alive shot. and contributed. Not getting shot. I got shot. Congratulations, Mr. Rouse. Why are you suggesting that uh, Julia should have taken part in this in the gunplay? Uh, yes. Walking up to the group, I gave Rouse my innocent smile. He didn't buy it. Lockwood had taken off his coat, and Doctor Covington was tending a nasty-looking shoulder wound. I motioned toward the squat wooden shed. Guys, uh, I think we're in more serious than uh, than we may have initially thought. They killed the sheriff deputy. What? Where is he? In the shed. It is a St. Clair County Sheriff's deputy. How was he murdered? Uh, shot through the head. Looks like from behind. Has mm. he got a pistol on him? Yes, he does. I would like Leave to... that alone. That's what? what you should do. I would not touch that. Why? A forty-five revolver. I'll take a forty-five revolver. Why don't you take that other dude's gun? There's a guy with a pistol and a guy with a shotgun. I got take the shotgun. We're taking them all. A, there's a thirty-eight. Oh. Yeah, thirty-eight uh, pistol. This guy isn't somebody I recognize, is it? No. Is there a cop car anywhere around? No. All right. I hand the 38 to Julia. Miss Bonds, this is to protect yourself. Hey, little lady. The little trigger thing they squeeze at and bullets come out of it really fast. I, and I, I, I pointed at you. Whoa, whoa, like, whoa, oh. whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we moved from the shed to the truck with the explosives. I'm going to grab four sticks of dynamite and some blasting, four blasting caps and some fuse. As one, we slowly walked up the trail to the summit of Mound 41. June 23rd, 1927. Ten years on the force. Never once pulled my sidearm. Two days with these people, not only had I killed a man, but I'd take one in the leg. Brother, did it hurt. Doc patched me up as best he could. Said that there wasn't much that could be done with the bullet lodged in the bone. Needed surgery. Unfortunately, there wasn't time for that. We stood at the top of the hill. Jack gave it some number. Frankly, I didn't care at that point. The Gedeke crew, the men we'd killed, had dug it up and uncovered a stone-lined shaft. Kind of looked like a well to me, but I'm no expert. Is there a lantern anywhere around here? Yes. In the trucks, each truck has its own kerosene lantern. I hand a lantern to the, uh, the father. The sheriff's deputy had a uh, flashlight. That's what I want. I'm taking the flashlight. I'll light my carbide lamp. Pegged to the lip with a rope ladder that led down into the dark hole. It smelled god-awful. Leary muttered something about an old grave. Julia looked at me. She noticed it, too. The father wasn't looking too good. Nervous and twitchy. I decided to keep a close eye on him. Jack went in first, followed by Finn, then me. The rest waited for us to get to the bottom before starting. I toiled in the cramped shaft for quite a while, my leg burning the whole way down. After about a hundred or so feet, the shaft opened into a wide passageway, and it descended through a hole in the ceiling. Smith and Lockwood were already sweeping their lights around, checking out the surroundings when I dropped the last few feet. The climb had gotten my leg bleeding again, and I was more than a little lightheaded. I must have reeled because I felt a hand steadying me, and I looked up to see Finn grabbing my arm, keeping me upright. I nodded thanks, and he gave me a smug smile. Jerk. I looked around to make sure Julia was alright. That was when I noticed the walls. Our flickering lights danced along the delicate carvings, making them seem as if they were moving. What once seemed a normal hallway quickly became a spinning, swirling nightmare of shifting perspective. The effect was quite nauseating. 
Everybody else make a no roll. Yeah, O2. I needed a 50. I got a 13. I know. Okay. I know. So everybody knows. Everybody knows. Getting the nose probably not good. Unfortunately, that those who... One. Yes, if you know what's going on, it's bad. So right. I'm supposed to make my no roll? No, you figured it out with your... Uh, right. You didn't even get a no roll because you know what's going on. So everybody make a sanity check as you realize that this <laughs> writing on? predates history. Yeah, I'm good, Eric. Yes. Dang it! I'm good. Hey, I actually made it. 22. I I those not. of you who made it... Okay. One point of sanity loss. One point. Point. God. And me and Brandon? Those of you who failed, don't forget the father. The father failed. Yeah, the father oh, That's me, bad. Brandon, and Mike? One point of sanity loss. Oh, yes. you got so lucky. Jack, fascinated by the wall display, turned to me, his eyes wide. Everybody has to make a con check. Oh. It's a resi- on the resistance table. You're going against a power of 13. So, Shannon, what is your... Constitution. My constitution is through the roof. Uh, 11. You have a 40% chance to make this roll. 51. Dan? Uh, my con is 14. You have a 55% chance to make this roll. No. Brandon? 17. 70% chance to make this roll. Good job. Made it. 12. You have a 45% chance to make this roll. Bam. Oh, the, the, the father ain't gonna be with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to take 17. him out. 70%. 70% chance. 53. Sean? 11. 40%. Yep. 40%. I failed. Success. Mild nausea. Failures. You are completely inactive for five minutes as you vomit. Okay. Lose one con. Oh. Shit. And you must close your eyes and be led through the rest of this section. Oh, man. Okay, well, well, because of the, just because of the vertigo that you're feeling and the, it's just ah, not right. Get a hold of yourself. Well, while they're puking. I continue to sketch and After check. I've done puking. I'm like, I can't look at this. Mr. Mr. Smith, there needs to be pictures here. And I hand him my camera. Jack started taking pictures with Julie's camera, and Father Larry turned to go back towards the rope ladder. I grabbed him by the shoulder. Father, you're in no shape to climb that 100-foot rope ladder right now. Just stick with us. We gotta stop this. Father, we have got to put this behind us once and for all. Now, buck up. Somebody give him a drink. Plus, there might be a couple of kids... Down there, someone being murdered someone, right now. Someone should stay at the top. What, what if they seal us in? Come on, Father, let's go. We, we, we don't have time uh, to, to dally anymore. Yeah, people, we, we have a we have a mission and we have a duty to accomplish. Now we don't have time to dally. Let's go. Take a nip off this. You'll be all right. Larry snatched Covington's flask, took a hair of the dog, then held it out to me. When I handed Doc back his dead soldier, everyone had finished up chucking and we were holding on to each other for support. I took Julie's hand to help lead her out. And in turn, ended up shepherding a lot of them through the rest of the wide corridor. Well, Rouse led us down that horrible corridor for I don't know how long. All I knew is I wasn't opening my eyes for nothing, not until we were past it. Stumbling blind, I had one hand on Julia's shoulder and the other gripped the book that Falstaff had given us. 
somewhere along the way, I had dropped my lantern. Buzzing. There was this buzzing noise that got worse as we walked on. As, as that sound got louder, as we reached the end of the passage, I realized that the sound wasn't a buzz. It, it was a droning, kind of like chanting, echoing down the hall. I, I was scared. I was real scared. The only reason I kept on was that I knew what was ahead and what those people thought they were up to. I read the parts of Falstaff's book that he marked. I figured out what was in store for those poor kids. Anyway, we reached the large chamber at the end of the passageway. I opened my eyes and blinked as they adjusted to the light. There were lanterns pegged to the wall. We stood in a weird-shaped room... I recognized it from the drawing in the book that I had, the one depicting the black idol guarding the round stone door, referred to as the door of Zah. It had already been opened. It wasn't a surprise. I figured that it would be. The droning chant echoed from the open doorway and the black passageway beyond. It was the ritual. The cult was calling their dark god back to this mound. I quickly looked around. The walls were covered in the same patterns that lined the corridor we had just left, making me groan. My stomach spun. My head pounded. Luckily, I had chucked about as much as I could, so I just stuck with the lingering nausea. I remembered looking down at the black stone floor, the only truly safe place for my eyes to go. Jack was kneeling beside some muddy footprints left by those... Who'd open the door? I don't believe that Indians would be wearing uh, red wing shoes. Perhaps maybe we could keep it down just a little bit. Oh, that was me whispering. Leary and the others were focused on the black pedestal at the center of the room. It was the only thing that wasn't carved, and it looked as if it had grown right up out of the floor. I clutched the manuscript tightly in my hands, and my eyes turned to the gigantic stone door. Something about it caught my attention. I looked at Jack. He nodded. He saw it too. A dark wet stain smeared in that swirled pattern in fresh blood. As Jack rose and moved to inspect it, I looked at the others, making sure that they hadn't noticed. They, they didn't. They were debating whether replacing the idol on the pedestal was a good idea or not. As if anything we had done to this point was a good idea. I didn't want to look back, but when I did, I saw Jack was stepping towards me. His eyes were hollow. He put his hand in my chest and shook his head. He had taken his jacket off, which was lying in a dark corner of the room. I just remember crying. Julia put a hand on my shoulder. She hadn't seen what Jack and I did. Maybe she just thought I was cracking up. I don't know. I put the book in my jacket pocket and slung the weapon on my shoulder as Julia stared in my eyes. We gotta stop this. I think that- I, I agree. Let's make haste. Uh, does everyone concur? I racked the shotgun. Jack led the way into the darkness. He had the others put down their lanterns and asked Julia to turn off the flashlight she had got off the dead cop, saying that our light would tell them we were coming. I didn't argue, hoping that if it was dark, I, I wouldn't have to see anything else. But... As we moved, a faint flickering green light appeared at the far end of the hallway. Everyone began pulling weapons out. 
readying for what was to come. I, for one, welcomed it. We followed the dark hallway, the chanting growing stronger, until we reached the wide, dry stone-walled oval chamber. The noise. I remember feeling as if I was passing through a physical membrane when we crossed the threshold of the open doorway. It was the acoustics of the room. Aided by a vaulted ceiling, the rhythmic droning of the robed figures kneeling in a semicircle around the room buffeted us in waves. It made it hard to concentrate. The room was arrayed like an ancient temple, almost druidic in nature. The centerpiece was a sinister black stone menhir, in the exact middle of a swirled golden metal pattern set into the floor. Even in the queer green light, I could tell that the monolith was made of an alien material, uh, semi-transparent, etched with hieroglyphics. At the far end, in the opposite wall from where we ended, was a tall corbel arch. The light, the sickening glow, came from that archway. Uh, a kind of roiling greenish-yellow phosphorescent mist roiled in a hypnotic fashion. It seemed to me at that time there must have been some sort of invisible barrier keeping the mist in place. It was completely contained. Bound, naked forms, three of them, dangled from the black monolith. Manacled wrists were fastened to chains linked to a stout iron ring at the top of the stone. The oldest captive matched the description of Leonard Price, the kidnapped boy. The other two? I had no idea who they were. A teenage girl and a young boy who couldn't be more than nine or ten years old. My heart sank as I thought of the crumpled form I had found beside the open stone door, idly discarded after the dark rite of opening was completed. A seething anger boiled within me, and I focused on the hooded robe figures arrayed around the room. Those who had perpetrated the heinous act and intended the same or worse on those chained there. Of the score or so, I could tell that five of them were obviously more important than the others, based on their positioning. The order of the Stygian prophet sat at the equidistant points within the swirled circular design on the floor. Their master, the only one clad in black, sat at the center, before the monolith, facing the misty archway. To get to those in the center, we had to get past the faithful blocking our way. Is that 11 total people here? Yeah, there's four people sitting in the circle. There's one person sitting in front of the stone facing the archway. There's three chained people. That wasn't counting them, right? Okay, and then there's eight people sitting around... Oh, so that's 13 plus three. Oh, boy. You have the jump on them. I crept up next to Julia. Miss Bond, you need to try and get to the children and free the children. Are you ready? As one, we fanned out behind the group of robed faithful, spacing ourselves enough so we could maximize our effectiveness once we opened fire. I looked over at Larry, who had opted to hang back in the hallway. His eyes were locked in the roiling mist, dread building on his face. Turning to Clarence, he nodded to me as he lowered his forty-five, pointing it just behind the ear of an unsuspecting cultist. My left hand held my forty-five, which I pointed at one hooded head. In my right, my good old browning humpback, pointing at another. I caught a glimpse of Lockwood, who held the sawed-off coach gun that the Gedeke goon had carried. He leveled it at the back of a cultist. An inhuman snarl on his lips told me that he was more than ready for what came next. So everybody, go ahead and make your appropriate weapon skill roll at double. Oh seven. 
So that's double damage. Put a check in the shotgun Under box. shotguns, yeah. 97, which is a success. <laughs> okay. Success. Julia? 54. Which is... We continue to blast away as those who escaped the first volley were slow to react. It was a turkey shoot. From the corner of my eye, I saw Covington rush through the swirling smoke, headed directly towards the black monolith and the man sitting before it. He ran, hands held low, in each clenched fist, a long knife. I turned my attention to the only remaining cultists outside the golden circle. I smiled as the others did too. Sean, you take off running, go yeah. into the circle. Right when they shoot is my trigger. You cross the circle. Uh. <laughs> oh, man, this was a setup. It's a power versus power resistance roll. 13. So you're, it's a power 13 versus power 18. God. 25% chance. Oh, boy. Oh, 48. All of a sudden, a wave of nausea cripples you for five minutes. All you can do is move. You cannot act. Are the kids inside the circle? Yes. That's bad. What about the dudes? Here's the deal. If they're to help their master, they can't do anything. Mm. Yeah! Stay close to the entrance so that I can get back to where I need to be whenever I need to do it. Right now, you would be, like, 25 feet away. Take a shot. Hit. 19%. I needed a thousand. Awesome. 10 damage. Finn's shotgun flashed. The cultist spun, shoulder ruined in a blink, and dropped to both knees. The impact of the blast knocked the hood off and a fair-haired woman of middle years blinked at us, eyes glazed in pain. Shooting that same lady dude, and I get it. <laughs> Oh. One point of damage. Please say that dropped her. She is a hardy woman. Am I within point blank of her? Yes. I'll shoot her with my forty-five rather than a shotgun. I pressed the barrel of my pistol into the crown of a bowed head. Oh. I just rolled a hundred. Malfunction. It Consider was. this a jam for an automatic. Fixing the jam requires D6 combat rounds. And a successful mechanical repair roll. She is the chosen one. <laughs> I, I dropped the forty-five. And- Can I shoot this whore in the face or not? Yes. All right. This is for the kids. Hey, Thirty-eight. The kids. Good job. That's a hit. Good job. Uh, that's nine. Clance's revolver balked and she fell back, dead eyes staring at the shadowed ceiling. Julia crept up close to the circle, eyes moving from Covington to the unconscious forms chained to the monolith. I stepped closer and looked at the kneeling form nearest me. From the new vantage, I noticed a new detail. Each of the last kneeling cultists, except for the black-veiled leader, wore etched white masks. At a glance, they reminded me of the grotesque makeup used by actors in the Orient, but these were without accent colors. All white. Even with their faithful being slaughtered around them, none of the inner circle moved. It was as if they were in some sort of trance. Rouse's movements caught my attention. He and Leary were slowly approaching as well. Start moving in on the circle. I'll move into a position where I can squeeze off a good shot at one of the uh, other people whenever I get a chance. Covington, blinded by crippling nausea, slowly crawled past me. His hand grasped the hem of my trousers as I spared a glance down at him. His eyes were bloodshot from retching. I kicked my leg free of his grip and turned away as he toiled toward the doorway where Finn was preparing the right. It was then I looked at the archway, the portal. The roiling mist began to coalesce, congeal. A singular odor began to emanate from that weird swirling vapor. It was cloying and pungent, a kind of feta that you could taste. It made me waver in revulsion. I turned my head, covering my nose and mouth in the crook of an elbow, in a feeble attempt to filter the noxious stench. Through watery eyes, I saw Julia, pulling Covington to his feet. Doc, Doc, you should guard Mr. Lockwood. I'll go for the big bag. Do it. Shooting the big bag guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah! Yay! Roll the 19! <laughs> Good 
Good job. Five. That's hey, good. That's way like to be average. Right in the middle. Julia's study eight popped, followed by an odd, almost wooden crack as the round struck the seated, veiled foam. If it weren't for the rise and fall of his breathing, I would have almost thought the Stygian prophet was some sort of effigy. I will shoot the nearest target. With your shotgun. Twenty. Thirteen. My humpback's kick rocked me backwards a step, and the mass zealot tumbled to the floor. From that range, double-out buckshot should have shredded him to pieces. Yet he still moved. In fact, he started to sit up as Rouse pointed his forty-five at him. Shoot the closest guy to me. One of the, in the guy in the kabuki mask. Thirty-five is a hit. Damage is... Four. When Clance's bullet hit him, I swear, I saw a weird ripple of air. Almost as if the round was slowed by some invisible barrier. Rouse's shot cracked the edge white mask the man was wearing and it fell away. The face underneath was familiar from one of the pictures on Dorian Daly's wall. Oliver Laclede. In my shock, I failed to see he held a pistol in his hand, aiming it at me. 90%. I have no idea how he missed. Maybe breaking him from his chance was jarring enough to foul his aim. I just don't know. He had me dead to rights. I remember the boiling hatred in his eyes. Put the, the book down and I'll start chanting the spell. Contested power. So his power is now 17 instead of 18 because you've taken one guy down. So, Dan, what is your power? Nine. Nine. You have a 10% chance. Yeah, you just got to care. No. 94. If someone wants to assist you with your chant, that would give you a plus one to your power. For every person sure. doing the chant, but they can do nothing else. Yeah. Well, I'm protecting him. Why don't you guys work on those guys? Somebody needs to man up and go in there and get the kids. Otherwise, it's all for naught, and you just bring the idol out here, and we just seal everybody in. Sure, I'll try to get the kids. You have a 20% chance of success. I can do this! Yeah! Julia momentarily crouched, then sprang across the threshold of the golden circle set in the floor. I blinked as I saw the weird distortion in the air again, as if she penetrated some transparent membrane surrounding the gathered cultists and the master. Though she only traveled a few feet... Julia panted as if she had endured an intense physical strain. I know now that she had broken a protective wad bound to the golden symbol on the floor. Once it was breached, its power was severed, and it no longer affected those crossing it. As I stepped closer to another mass cultist with the intention of eliminating another piece of the ritual, Rouse pointed his pistol at Oliver Laclede. Laclede, stop this madness! Too many people are dying! I'll get ready to shoot him again. You fools! He cannot be stopped now! I sped a glance back towards Lockwood and saw that Father Leary was assisting him with the incantation, detailed in the black manuscript. Covington was slowly dragging himself toward them. A sudden gust of putrid air forced my attention to the sinister, misty archway. The mist of the arched doorway begins to dissipate, fading into cloying wisps as the portal opens. Unearthly stench pours into the chamber as a shapeless form of roiling protoplasmic bubbles rolls into the room. It faintly glows from within. Temporary eyes form, then fade, or burst like pustules filled with phosphorescent light, only to have the sticky ichor reabsorbed into it for the cycle to start all over again. Semi-translucent, segmented tentacles whip about as if feeling for prey, the pink feelers on their underside writhing as if silent mouths looking to suckle. Sanity checks. Everybody. Everybody. I succeed. I do not. I do not as well. I do not as well. I hey, do Mike. not. You made it, buddy. Mike made it. Unbelievable. That a boy. Mike's not gonna go crazy this round. Those who made it, five sanity. Oh my God. Ugh. Those who fail, twenty sanity. Oh, shit. 
That would have been me. A 20. <laughs> wow. Now do you understand? That was okay. All Temporary insanity. I ask for an idea roll. This is where you roll the idea roll. If you make your idea roll, you don't suppress the memory. If you fail your idea roll, you oh. suppress the memory. I failed. You failed your idea roll or you made your idea oh, roll? Oh, I made my idea roll. Failed the idea roll. Failed the idea roll. That's good for you. You suppress the memory. Dang it. That's not real. Whoever I just rolled a 20 on gets indefinite. That's... So, Sean, you have a temporary insanity. Yet again in the family. Yep. Roll a d10. 10. Stupor. Duper. Assumes the fetal position and oblivious to events. Well d10 plus four combat rounds. Two. Six rounds. <laughs> okay, those of you who lost 20... <laughs> Uh, the character is haunted by a powerful sense of foreboding. What happens is some major psychological disorder happens, whether it be bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, something yes. something major. But as of right now, you're okay. So we figure that out later? Or? Yes. Boy. I would love to have multiple personality disorder. Yeah, most, the only thing, really, the only thing that happens once this thing comes through this portal is Sean drops into the fetal position, and that's it. In my Terra... I barely registered that, for the first time, the Stygian prophet turned his head and acknowledged his surroundings. At long last, the door of Zar has opened. The herald of Zastur has heard our call. The thing in the archway undulated, tips of the horrible tentacles feeling the floor, as a blind man would, acclimating himself to a strange surrounding. I don't know how long I stood there, as repulsed as I was. There was a hypnotic quality about it. I couldn't stop staring at it. What shook me from my stupor was Julia. She bumped into me as she raised her pistol toward the writhing horror. Shannon, the player, thinks that it's probably useless to shoot the tentacle dude, but Julia's gonna shoot the tentacle dude. Okay, then I don't make it. The pistol's report was like a dash of cold water. It woke me to complete awareness. I blinked away the last of the cobwebs and lowered my shotgun at the closest target. Shotgun. Got it. The blast threw the mass cultists, leaving them floundering on the black stone floor for a moment. Then, in an aberrant display of fortitude, her head turned and she looked at me. It's Vivian Falstaff. Bitch. But she's still alive. Man. Have I taken her out of the equation? Yeah, oh yeah, she's no longer part of the thing. Now, that, Once they're taken out, that's when they start to fight back. I want to finish off the cleed. 30 is a hit. Four more damage. <laughs> You have no clue what you walked into. Oliver Laclede shooting at Brandon at double skill. Hits with a 45. Six damage. At point blank range, old man Laclede shot Clarence in the guts with what looked like a long barreled revolver, knocking him backwards a few steps. From the way Rouse reacted, eyes burning in rage and hatred, I doubt he felt it. Blood coated Vivian's shredded robe and pulled around her as she lay sprawled on the floor. She snarled at me, pulling a snub-nosed 38 from a concealed holster. Between Finn and Father Evan, who has the best power? I have nine, he has seven. All right, so that puts you at ten, because ten. he's giving you a plus one. Ten on sixteen is twenty percent. Boom! That's one. What that does is one. the father and the musician start doing this chant, and the roiling tentacled beast kind of buckles as there's this wave of power coming from nice. behind you. Julia swiftly moved past me and toward the black monolith, toward the slight forms chained to it, 
there's a central ring that they're chained to. I'm gonna shoot the thingy. Now you're at Dex. Uh-oh. Do I still get double? Yeah, sure. Yeah! yeah. Wow. That's a crit. Good yeah. job. Critted it. That was huge, Chan. That was... Roll your damage. That was huge. Double damage. Nine. Nine. Spock's flew as the large metal ring affixing the top of the menhir was shattered, causing the gathered chains to fall to the floor. I'm going to run again and get closer to another acolyte, and then I'm now moving out of her. Yeah, ring. she's not point blank with you anymore. I'm going to shoot Oliver O'Clade. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're at double your decks. 24 is what I need. You can do it. I got a 48. I sped a glance at Clarence as I positioned myself for another shot. He didn't look good, pale and sickly from blood loss. I remember thinking, hoping, that he held out long enough to draw the attention away from me while I did my part, nullifying those helping in the dark ritual. A shot sounded from the other side of the monolith, from where Julie was gathering the chains that bound the unconscious children. The round ricocheted right in front of the kneeling cultist nearest me. He didn't move then, or when I placed the barrel of my shotgun at the base of his skull. Shotgun. 24. Got it. Make your damage roll. 15. There wasn't much left of the guy's face when his corpse flopped to the ground. I couldn't positively identify him, and I never searched him for identification. Simple deduction after the fact, based on the pictures we found on Dorian Daly's wall, suggests that it was A.G. Grant. I'm going to kill Oliver LeClaire. <laughs> That's a hit. Roll your damage. All right, we need a big one here. This guy lives. That's seven. Flash caught the corner of my eye, and I turned to see Clarence standing over the crumpled body of Oliver LeClaire. He had finally finished the old man. Rouse's hand drifted to his inner pocket as he looked back at me, pulling his flask. He raised it to me in salute before downing the contents. Vivian Falstaff shooting at Jack. Hits. <laughs> She's got a 52 skill. Holy crap. Apologize to the trollop. Maybe she won't shoot you again. Damage of a 38 snub nose. Three damage. The shot hit me in the back and spun me like a top. I lost my footing and fell, face first into the pool of cooling blood. And other matter, on the floor. I laid there in pain for a second before I got my wits about me and scrambled around the circle. Out of Vivian's line of sight, hoping that she would find another target. He should be at 15 now. He was 16 before. 25% chance. No. From my new vantage point, I could see Julia toiling with the chains in her hands, vainly trying to pull the children to safety. You realize that one of the boys, the, the youngest of the of the two, is actually awake. I'll try and, like, uh, calm down and get him out of the circle, at least. It'll be it'll be okay. We're here to, I'm here to help you. Uh, I'll, I'll point him towards the door. You're, he, like, clings onto you. Julia turned from the kids and pointed a revolver at something shambling towards her. It was Vivian. Shoot Vivian, so double the dicks. Kill that bitch. Nope. I'm gonna run around and get to the next act. The last one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how does reloading work? I have two shots left. You can reload this round. This, that'll be and your action. Will that reload me to full or will that reload? Yes, reload okay. to full. Let's do that then. Closing on the last of the cultists put me near to the archway than I really should have been. A fact that in my haste, didn't occur to me until I felt a fetid drop of slime drip onto my cheek and ooze to my chin. What is that? Tentacle. 80%. 75% is his skill. Oh, <laughs> I bound out of the way as the ropey, segmented member slapped a black stone where I stood, leaving glistening clumps of sticky ica. Bitch killed my sister. Yay! Yeah, Kill that bitch, because she's a good shot. Three damage. That was for my sister! 
More cognizant of the feelers blindly whipping about me, I hastily stood and fired my shotgun at the hooded cultist kneeling on the floor. Now I'm point blank. I did not get it. Since I'm going to die next round, I might as well shoot the other alkalite. That's a miss. Rouse's shot missed the man I had shot at, nearly hitting me in the process. With my open hand, I waved Clarence off, indicating that I had everything under control. I pointed to the center of the room at the Stygian Prophet. Over the droning of the Prophet and the chanting of Lockwood and Leary, I heard the voice of Vivian Falstaff yell, pointing a pistol at Julia. Your sister died on her knees! Point blank range. Hits. Seven hit point damage. I saw a red mist blossom from Julia's back. Vivian's shot took her in the upper chest. She staggered back a step. I remember a sudden lull that allowed me to hear Lockwood and the father's voices clearly. The words they were chanting, the sounds they were making, they didn't sound human. 25% chance. Because he missed, yeah, it's still 25%. Yep. You're yeah. 24. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's All a right. skate. Power again. And you see the massive horror kind of twitch again and start to recede a little bit into the door. Julia, strength failing her, gave a pitiful tug on the chains in one hand while still pointing the gun in the other at Vivian. You have a 60% chance of dragging these kids. No, <laughs> I'll uh, go ahead and take a shot at the last acolyte. And double, double your decks. Double my decks. Nope. Nearly being snared by that thing really had me jumpy. That, and being lightheaded from blood loss, really killed my accuracy. I began to worry about how many more shells I had in the humpback. Rouse looked as if he were going to shoot in my direction again, but I frantically pointed at the seated prophet. This time he understood. Can I charge the prophet? Yeah. Just let's go out in a blaze of glory. I'm going to try to tackle him, break his concentration all around, F him up if I can. That's at 25%, and this is a big one for it, fellas. It's a big one. 82 Rouse rushed headlong into the black-veiled form, only to rebound off of it, as if he had charged into a marble statue. Again, I questioned whether the seated form was some sort of sculpture, an effigy. True, I had seen it move, heard its voice, but I had also seen it repel a full-grown man ramming into it, not to mention the round that Julia pumped into it earlier. My eyes went to Julia. I considered abandoning my target and shooting at Vivian. Part of me wishes I had. But in the end, I knew what needed to be done. As I leveled my barrel on the back of the last cultist, I winced when I heard Julia's 38 click as the hammer fell into an empty cylinder. Acolyte. Got it. 10. A thundering 12-gauge blast from behind propelled him forward, knocking his hood off as he fell. Archibald Laclede, the heir to the Laclede Empire, struggled weakly on the floor, trying to reach an ornately capped cane that had been flung from him when he was shot. He must have had it hidden under his robes. While I'm at the profit, I might as well squeeze one off. I guess I'm point blank since I ran up there to him. Yeah. So this is a hit. Ooh, that's a critical. Damage is... 19. A loud popping sound, and I look back at Clarence. Smoking forty-five in his hand, standing over the body of the Stygian prophet. The black-veiled man had been knocked off his stool and rolled away from Rouse, losing his veil in the process. His head lolled as he struggled to raise up on his elbows. As he did, his eyes looked into mine. I'd never seen anything so abhorrent. His his face was that of a man of middle years, but his eyes, ancient, like staring into a timeless black abyss of soul-shattering madness. Of course, I know now that that thing was once an infant known as Frederick Falstaff, though I doubt that whatever it was that dwelt inside remembered. It had so many names, so many forms. After what felt like an eternity, Prophet turned for me and smiled at Clarence. Something glinted in his hand, 
a thin bladed knife. I thank you, sir. I have not felt pain, exquisite pain, for a long, long time. The prophet's head tilted slightly, suddenly detecting the rhythmic chanting coming from the open doorway. A smile slowly crept across his lips. What is this? What is this? The words of my ancient enemy spoken by a mortal tongue? Beyond him I saw Julia, barely standing, unable to move as Vivian Falstaff pressed a pistol to her chest. That's a 10%. Four damage. Oh, wow, you're alive. Hold on, he's not done rolling. <laughs> that 10% is double damage. Uh, wait a minute. This might be a one. That sweet girl. I quickly looked at Evan. He saw it too. My feet were like lead as I tried to move toward her. So what are we at now? Is the base 10 instead of a base 14? So it's 10 on 10, right? 10 on 10. That's a 50% shot. 50%. Come on, Dan. Come on, Finn. That failure means the monster can attack this round. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Someone at the table dies on that roll, Dan. I will... Go to her and the kids to try and get them out. You have first aid? I do, but I'm not going to do it there. And my first aid's not very good. If you don't do first aid, she dies. What do you need? Hold on, this is important. It's a 40. Oh, uh, I can't see it, so I need a reaction from Jason. No! <laughs> Uh-oh. I didn't mean to blow it out. <laughs> Sorry, 72. I, I couldn't do anything. It was too much blood. I, I, I didn't know where to start. Through tear-filled eyes, I looked at Clarence as he stared at me, dumbfounded. <laughs> Save me. We're best friends, Brandon. Julianne, Rouse, not me and you. <laughs> yeah, clearly not me and you. Uh, all right, run through my options here. I've got dude on the ground with a knife. Looks like he means bad intentions. Like, yeah, like he means to stab you with it, yes. Vivian Falstaff has a thirty-eight in her hand, and she just dropped Julia. And the other guy who's uh, kneeling next to where Jack was, he, all he has is, is a cane in his hand. Okay, so if I run over to Julia and try to save her, that puts me in point-blank range of Vivian Vivian with my four hit points. That's bad. Jason is now in point-blank range of Vivian, and he has probably six. Lots of hit points. You have all the hit points? Thirteen. Oh, well, you can take a shot. Oh, yeah, on the flip side of that, if I run over to you, my first aid is 30%. Looks like you're dead. You could run over and get in point blank of Falstaff and shoot that bitch next shooting you round. You could save me in the move round and then kill her in this the shooting a, round. This is a good point. Uh, whatever. Let's try that. Right. Brandon, Let's, our characters are best friends. They're not best friends. You paid me, but it's fine. I will run over and perform the first aid. She'll owe you. Go ahead and make your first aid roll. 30% or less. I failed. Damn it! <laughs> no! Something pushed me and I tumbled to the floor. It was Evan. He had taken off his vestment and began pressing it to Julia's chest, attempting to staunch the bleeding. I don't know how long I laid there, watching Evan go from trying to stop the bleeding to rolling her over and trying to resuscitate her, to pounding the black stone floor in frustration. I couldn't move. I didn't react to Archibald the Cleed until he stabbed at me with a razor-sharp sword cane. He hits... White-hot pain lanced through me as Archibald twisted the blade in my guts. When he withdrew it, I rolled to my side, curling up into a ball. It was then I noticed a ropey tentacle slowly feeling its way across the floor, as if it sensed the nearby lifeblood. I forced myself into a roll, barely getting away from the stinking appendage. 
I watched in horror as it wrapped itself up Rouse's leg. Fuck. <laughs> 24, 25, 26, 27 damage. Oh, Holy shit. Rouse locked eyes with me as he was dragged toward that archway. He didn't yell once. Make a luck roll, Brandon. Luck is 50. 40. 40. The last I saw of Clarence Rouse was his hand as he vanished into the portal. A seething fury building, I turned my attention towards Vivian. Now I'm going to shoot that bitch. Got it. 15. Vivian Falstaff's eyes widened as the buckshot tore into her again. But unlike the previous time I shot her, she didn't get back up. It was a good thing, too. I had used up all my shells. I'll try to complete the... Uh, now, no, you were no, at, I was 50%, at 50%, but because Mike's not helping you anymore, you're 45. at 45. Okay. You can do it, Dan. Uh, we'll see. No, not this round. Okay. I stepped up and grabbed Evan by the back of his shirt, pulling him to his feet. He looked at me. I could see the pain and frustration I was feeling mirrored in his face. We needed to end it. I pushed him in the direction of the children as Archibald Cleed limped towards me, sword in hand. Get the kids out? What's your strength? 13. You have a 70% chance of pulling these kids out. On 70 nose. on the nose. <laughs> okay, wow. so you start dragging the kids wow. out. The way Archibald held his sword, it was obvious to me that he'd been a highly skilled duelist. Fortunately, for me, his training seemed to abandon him as he swiped wildly, like he was swatting flies. He was so enraged so unaware of his surroundings that he failed to notice one of the segmented tentacles writhe up behind him. Archibald LeCleed. Doing your work for you. Sold. No. 68. Skill is 70. I was going to say. I, yeah. Yeah. I remember laughing at LeCleed as the beast drug him screaming into the archway. Priest starts dragging the children. Veiled Prophet rolls over. Dagger in hand. Oh. And does six points of damage. To the priest? Throws a dagger at Mike and it strikes him in the chest. Oh. And you see his hand go under his robes, and he pulls another knife. The Stygian prophet began slowly crawling towards Leary, face contorted in a rage as he yelled. They are not yours to have, Notsri. They are the keys. They are mine. I have not traveled this long to fail now. Not when sweet release is so close. By that time, I had had enough. I dropped my shotgun and walked up to the crawling prophet. Forty-five revolver? That's a crit. Double your damage. 14. 45 flash and the creature slumped to the floor. I kicked him for good measure, ensuring that it was dead. I turned to the doorway to Finn. Seal it up. <laughs> oh, 09. Everything went really quiet. No burst of energy. No squealing protest of the horror as it was drawn back into whatever hell it came from. Lockwood finished the last word of the right, and the tentacle thing in the archway simply just ceased to be. The only lingering effect was its fetid odor. Not as pungent as before, just a faint aura. My only assurance that I wasn't crazy. I limped back to the archway to inspect the swirling greenish mist when my toe struck something hot. A paper-wrapped bundle. The idol. Lying where Rouse had tossed it. You know, when the monster was dragging him away, he never panicked. He knew he was dead. And still kept his cool enough to make sure that we could finish the job. Pointing to where I could find the idol, seal the door. He was the toughest man I have ever met. In the far doorway, Lockwood was on his knees. The right had drained him almost completely. Covington stood at his side, 
one hand under the musician's arm, keeping him from falling. I held up the idol, showing them that Clarence had saved us all. We started to laugh. (laughs) We saved the children, ones the cult took. We did it. We... I, uh... And then? Mr. Smith? Huh? You were talking about the underground temple. Uh, you just finished saying the words, um, uh, written in the black book. Uh, you retrieved the idol, you picked it up, and then... It's not right. Mr. Smith? Mr. Smith. What? You seem a bit disoriented. Uh, Do you know where you are right now? Um, I'm not... Jack? Not, not Jack. Oh, oh. Um, uh, who am I speaking to right now? Am I speaking to Jack? Hmm? Is this Clarence Rouse? Phineas Lockwood. Uh, I... Where am I? Who are you? You're in a safe place. I... I'm your doctor. Doctor? Am I sick? Uh, well, yes, you are. But you are showing signs of improvement. Why can't I move? Oh, um, the, the jacket is for safety purposes. Safety? I haven't hurt anyone. Have I? I'm afraid so, Mr. Daly. It is for your safety as well. You've hurt yourself and others. What did you just call me? I'm sorry? The name. You just called me. Mr. Daly? Daly? That is your name, Mr. Daly. Dorian Daly. Dorian Daly's dead. I assure you, Mr. Daly... Uh, You are quite alive. No, he shot himself in Clarence Rouse's... Clarence Rouse is not real, Mr. Daly. What? Clarence Rouse, Phineas Lockwood, Jack Houston Smith, they're all manifestations of your psychosis. What? They're figments, uh, depersonalizations. A way of acknowledging your actions without accepting responsibility. You lie. I'm sorry, Mr. Daly. That is the truth. Look me in the face and tell me that. Oh, uh, well, yes. Perhaps a little more light will... Oh, my God, it's you! It's you! Uh, uh, Dorian, stop. Nurse? Nurse, give Mr. Daly 0.5 of Reserpine and have the orderlies help him to this room. We're finished for today. No, no. I know what you want. I know what you want. I won't tell you where it is. I won't. I heard he's always like that. What do you mean? You never know who he's going to be. The way he snaps. He's dangerous. Hmm. Well, he is an interesting case. Is it true? What's said about him? What's said? You know, that he kidnapped people. Killed them. It is. 
Whatever event cracked Mr. Daly's mind caused him to slowly degenerate. It's still uncertain how long he had been immersed in his lunacy, living in perpetual nightmare, when he killed Charles Falstaff and was brought here. Very interesting case. He gives me the creeps. Hmm? Oh, yes. I've worked with Mr. Daly so long I, I forget the effect that he has on new staff. Trust me, you'll get used to him. Is there anything else you need, Doctor? Um, no, Mary. Thank you. That'll be all. Good night, Dr. McLeod. listening. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Stygian Fragment. Theme music by Thomas Grillo. Background music by Musica Cthuliana. Openly Gamer Theater would like to thank H.P. Lovecraft for giving us Cthulhu. Any commercial use of this production is prohibited. Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is property of Chaosium Incorporated. Openly Gamer Theater is trademark property of Side Tangent Productions.